Whether you are a longtime homeschooler or just starting, choosing impactful and enjoyable subjects can be the difference between everyone feeling really engaged and satisfied in your homeschool versus days of just sort of going through the motions. How do you cover all your bases, pursue all the cool options, and keep from feeling completely overwhelmed? Grab your notebook and pencil. Let's make this super simple. Welcome to the Simple is the New Smart podcast. I'm Zara Fagan, PhD, author of Minimalist Homeschooling and the creator of the Simple is the New Smart membership. And this is the place where we talk about how less really is more and how simple really is the new smart. This is the place for any homeschooler who wants to trade stress, exhaustion, overwhelm, and self-doubt for peace, clarity, confidence, and a sense of true abundance. It turns out that transforming our mindset really can transform our homeschools and our lives. We'll talk tips and strategies, stories and perspective, and interview people who have lessons to teach us. And I am just so happy that you're here. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Simple is the New Smart podcast. I am Zara Fagan, and I am so happy that you're here. Today, we're talking about how to choose our subjects and how to do it super simply without the overwhelm, without the panic, if you will. I know I've been there. I've panicked and still feel really great about what we've chosen for our children. So first of all, I want to start with, we're not just homeschooling. A lot of times when we start homeschooling, we think, oh, we're just teaching them from books, right? We just have to find the right books, open them up and teach them. However, most of us are not homeschooling just to teach our kids some stuff from books. We're doing it for bigger reasons. So a lot of times we're homeschooling for the freedom, the freedom to live the life that we want, the freedom to teach the things that we want, the freedom for our children to pursue their passions, the freedom for our family to do the things and spend the time together that they want to. And a lot of times we're also homeschooling for excellence. We want to give our children the best. There's an inherent parental drive to give our children the best. And so when we start homeschooling, it's not just homeschooling to us. It represents freedom and it represents excellence in a lot of ways. We want to give them better than what we think that they would receive elsewhere in some form. And that better isn't the same for everyone. However, I see people, once they start homeschooling, they feel like they have to exchange one for the other. You can either have excellence or you can have freedom. And there's this fear that if we have too much freedom, if we enjoy ourselves too much, if we don't take it seriously enough, then we're sacrificing excellence and vice versa. When we get really focused on the excellence, then we start feeling like we've lost our freedom and it can feel very suffocating to everyone in the family. So let's talk today about how to choose subjects in a way that can honor both the excellence portion of homeschooling as well as the freedom that we all crave. So let's start here with all of the options that we have when we are homeschooling. So if you are a traditional homeschooler, you might think of subjects like writing, which includes grammar, literary device, mechanics, spelling, math, and within math you have drills and games and logic, computers, programming, keyboarding, reading, phonics, literature, handwriting, 
social studies, physical education, speech presentations, debate, geography, history, fine arts like art, poetry, and music, religion, science, foreign language, Latin and Greek word roots, and I've probably missed some that might even be on your wish list as well. I named 16 subjects, not including all the subtopics that I listed. That was 16 subjects. So clearly, this is the root of a lot of overwhelm for all of us because we want to give our children the world. We want to give our children everything. So first, let's start with a little bit of perspective because this is a minimalist homeschooling podcast. So I am here to convince you that less really is more. So let's think this through. Let's let's work it out. First of all, we can't do it all. There is no possible way there is not enough time in the day and not enough attention in the student, not enough patience in the parent to do it all, right? And in school, they don't do all of these subjects. They don't because they realize this truth also, that it would be impossible. So what happens in school? Let's talk about this. In school, they don't do all the subjects equally or as in-depth as we might want to do it. In school, they don't do all of those topics. They stick to very traditional topics. In school, they may change what they teach and what grade, right? So in the younger years, a lot of times they only do a half of a year of science and a half of a year of social studies because in those grades, there is a bigger emphasis on phonics, right? And I know that we're all homeschooling because we do not want to mirror necessarily what's going on in school, but it's good to have that perspective of sort of, what everybody else is doing so that we can keep ourselves grounded and really then think about what is possible. So the first thing that I want to impress on you is that when we're choosing subjects, we are thinking about right now. We're remembering that there is plenty of time. We're remembering that we as adults are still learning. It never ends. And so our goal right now is to give our children what they love and what they need right now. And if we keep focusing on what they need right now, then the sum of all of those parts will be at the end of this journey that they have everything that they needed and that they loved, right? So we don't have to do these grandiose plans where we plan out all of their K through 12. We need to focus on right now, what's the most pressing need and love right now. The other thing that I think helps with the overwhelm is to keep a running list of your options so that you can refer back to it for next year. This helps reassure us that nothing's going to fall off the back end. Nothing's going to fall through the cracks because we can always reassess for the next season, whether that's the next quarter, the next semester, the next year, what we're going to include now. So those things aren't forgotten. They're not lost. We're not throwing them in the trash. We're saving them for later. You're not just neglecting things or discarding things, but that you are being intentional about right now and you will reassess those things later. I want to talk now about the value of focusing, of not spreading ourselves too thin. When we take on 16 subjects, right? If we were to take on that entire list that I presented at the beginning of this podcast, do you think we would be able to do those all well? Or do you think we would be giving a very surface exploration of at least most of those topics, if not all of them? And the answer is the latter, right? If we were wanting to take on 16 different topics, the more surface and superficial those studies would be. So the fewer topics we choose to study at one time, 
means that those topics get more attention. So this is the trade-off. The trade-off is not, are we missing out? The trade-off is how rich do we want our education to be? And so a lot of times people think of bringing on all of the things in order to provide a quote-unquote rich education. And my question to you would be, is a rich education a survey of many, many, many different things at a superficial level, or is a rich education taking on a few things, really engaging with them and going in depth before you move on to something else? So the benefit of doing less all at once is that one, we can go a little bit deeper. We can have more meaning in what we're doing at that time. Two, we don't feel so scattered and distracted. We don't have to pull ourselves away from something that's really interesting either. We can spend the amount of time that we want to on it and really cultivate that love of learning. And then finally, the other benefit of this, which is very logistical and very practical, is that we finish those topics quicker. So a lot of times what happens in minimalist homeschooling is that you focus more intensely on a few select things, you finish those up, and then you move on to your next set of things that you'd like to focus on intensely. The amount of time that it takes to get through a spelling workbook when you're doing it every day is significantly different than the time that it takes according to the publisher of that spelling book, right? So If we are focusing, for example, in our homeschool on keyboarding and my kids are really enjoying it, they may finish up an entire year's worth of keyboarding in one or two quarters, and then we can move on to something else. The same thing happens for any subject, right? If you are working your way through language arts and you are really intensely studying it, then you are going to complete a large amount of learning in a shorter amount of time. And so it's not so much that we are doing less, We are doing more in a shorter amount of time and then switching our focus, right? And this is similar to what you would see in college. You take three or four classes at once and you study those intensely and then you switch. And so this is a learning paradigm that we see elsewhere that can be very effective. And then you circle back to that topic, you know, next year or in a couple of semesters, right? Once we teach our children some science this year, it doesn't matter if we spend a quarter doing it every single day or a semester doing it every other day or a whole year doing it once or twice a week. They're still getting the same amount of learning. The question is, is do we want to be combining science with four other things? Do we want to be combining it with five other things, eight other things? How much competition do we want for our attention? And I would argue that when we're choosing subjects, it's much easier. And when we're homeschooling, it's much easier to not have so much competition for our attention and to keep things as simple as possible. So remember that we're thinking about right now, we're thinking about value and we're thinking about engagement and how much we can really interact with what we're learning about. We're also thinking about relatively short seasons. We're not choosing subjects that have to last the whole year through because we are going to really enjoy them. We are going to really dive in and we are going to reassess new subjects throughout the school year whenever it fits our family. So let's talk about the nitty gritty, how to choose your subjects. And first and foremost, I have to say that you need to know your state and country requirements, including how many hours for each subject you are required to study. 
However, you will notice that within those requirements, oftentimes they're very broad. So it may simply say social studies. It may simply say language arts. And so there are a lot of subtopics within each subject. And we're going to get to that later. For now, just know which subjects are required of you. And if you don't have any state or country requirements regarding subjects, brainstorm on the subjects that you want to include, you think you might like to include in your homeschool. And if you do have state requirements or country requirements, add to that list anything that you think you would also like to have in your homeschool. Because a lot of times we have ideas as homeschoolers of extended learning or alternative learning opportunities or alternative subjects. Okay, so you've got your list, including whatever hours are required. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves literally what subjects are most important right now and most loved right now. So that should give us our top three. Literally, I choose two for each child. What's most important for this child right now? And then one, what's most loved by this child right now? And there can be some overlap and these aren't dogmatic rules, but you get the idea. You are going to ask yourself when you look at that list, a very simple question. What is most needed? What is most loved for each child right now? Right? So now you've got about three subjects that you are going to study and you are going to study on a regular basis and you are going to allow yourself the time and the margin to deep dive into those because you think that they're really important and that your children really love them. Okay, next. The next question I want you to ask, and you can switch around a little bit between the order of the next questions that you ask. The first one is obviously really important. What's most loved? What's most important right now? But the other questions that we're going to ask is, what are my children already doing? Maybe they already are involved in athletics. Maybe they already take music lessons. Maybe they are already independently studying something. So what are my children already doing? You're going to write down those subjects, sort of check, check, those are done. And then you're going to think about what dovetails well. So you're going to look at what subjects are still required what other subjects you might want to cover from that original list that you started with. And you're going to say what dovetails well. Maybe you've chosen history as one of your most important topics and that writing would dovetail well with that. While you're teaching history, you can also add some writing to it. For example, same thing with science. If you're doing some science, maybe you could also do some reading that dovetails well with the science. So if you have multiple children, a great question to ask when you're at this point after you have your most important and your most love for each child is to look at what are the other children doing that are most important and most loved? And can I do those as a group topic, right? So if religion is really important for one child in our home, maybe they're preparing for a sacrament, I would ask, do I want to do religion then as the as a whole family, right? Because I'm going to be doing it anyway with this one child. Maybe we do that as a group. So now you see that even though religion may not have been on my list for any of my other children, now I'm going to add that to their list if I decide that that's something that would work well as a group study. And then finally, if you're looking for more, usually this is enough to fill up about six subjects for our family. But if you are still looking for something, what is something that you have been meaning to do or wanting to do? A lot of times this comes up in the first question that we asked about what is most important and most loved. A lot of times if there is something that we feel like is falling through the cracks, like maybe you have a middle schooler and you're suddenly panicking that they don't know how to write an essay. So you're going to say, well, that's something I've been meaning to do. 
And it probably is also going to be in your most important right now. Maybe you feel like it's time for your children to learn geography. Maybe you feel like they really have this interest in creating a business. And so you need that to be a priority. Maybe you really want to give your children a better financial education and more financial literacy. And that's something you've been meaning to do. And so a great final question to ask yourself is what else have I been meaning to do? And don't forget that you have that list where you can put ideas for the next time that you do this process. This is a very quick and dirty process. So we go from child to child saying, what is most needed? What is most loved? What other requirements do we have? What are they already doing? What are they already independently learning? What dovetails well with what I've already chosen to sort of maximize, get more bang for our buck? What have we been meaning to do? What are the other children in the family doing? Can I make that a group topic? So this is the thought process that we're going through, and we're going to narrow down our list of options by asking ourselves these questions. And we're focusing on right now. What do we want to do most right now? Realizing that we have a finite amount of time in the day, our children do have a finite amount of attention, and we, if we're being very honest with ourselves, have a finite amount of energy and patience as well. So finally, once you have these broad subjects, I already alluded to this, there are many subtopics within that subject. So it's great to say we're going to study science, but now we need to decide what within science we want to study because that is a huge topic. And so I want to give you some recommendations for how you can narrow that down. One, you can go back to your original question. Is there a subtopic within that that is really needed or really loved right now? Maybe for language arts, your children really need spelling, but they really love creative writing. And so maybe those are the sort of subtopics that you're going to choose within language arts right now. Similarly, for science, you may say, I've got this high schooler, they really need biology. Or you've got younger kids and you're going to say, They really love hands-on experiments, so we're going to do a lot of chemistry and physics right now because those are messy and fun and they will love it. What our children need and what they love also dictates the subtopics that we're going to choose within those broader subjects. Another way that you can narrow down your subjects that is good to sort of check in, especially if you're in a state or a country with stricter requirements, is that you definitely want to know if there are requirements in your state or your country about which subtopics are being taught. I want to remind you that in the United States, state standards for education are posted online. These are not requirements, but they do provide an outline of what topics within a subject children are learning at each grade level. This is great if you are anticipating that you will be sending your child back to school at some point, or if you just want to feel confident that you are covering all of your bases and you're sort of doing what's prescribed. A lot of homeschoolers, the longer you've been homeschooling, the more we start freestyling and just trusting that everything will come together in the end. As long as we are consistently learning. We don't worry about gaps because the fact of the matter is, is that every human being has gaps in their knowledge. So the question is not, does my child have the same exact knowledge as the child next door? It's, am I developing my child's learning in general, right? But if you are someone who will gain assurance, or if you are someone who has state requirements that have to be met on the level of subtopics within your subjects, then make sure you know what those requirements are, 
feel free to check out your state standards or there are really great books. I know that our library even has the whole series of books called What's Your Whatever Grader Needs to Know. So What's Your Fifth Grader Needs to Know. Those go up through, I think, sixth grade, What's Your Sixth Grader Needs to Know. So you can always get one of those books. Gives you a very broad overview of exactly what is generally being taught in that grade. Or there's a great book called Home Learning Year by Year. I like to recommend both of those. I will link to them in the show notes. So there we have it, guys. It is super simple to actually choose your subjects and choose your topics as long as we remember that we are focusing on simply right now. We are trusting that there is plenty of time to do plenty of things and plenty of learning and that we're not doing anybody any favors by piling it all up in this moment and trying to get it all done, trying to get to that finish line in one giant leap. We are doing ourselves a disservice if we spread ourselves too thin and if we make the whole process overwhelming and daunting and no fun at all. And I think a key here is to honor also what our children love. So when you're asking that question about what's most important, try not to overshadow what your children love. So by using this very simple set of questions to get us towards which subjects we're going to pick, we give ourselves the freedom of knowing that there will be plenty of time to do plenty of things. And that as long as we are learning and really enjoying the learning process and getting a lot out of what we're doing, that that's going to be infinitely more valuable than trying to do all the things and not getting much out of it at all, because it is too distracting, too superficial, and probably a little stressful for everyone involved. And at the same time, by giving our attention to the things that most deserve our attention, we are embracing this idea of excellence in our homeschool, of of really giving our children the experience that we want for them. And I want to make sure I finish here by saying that non-conventional subjects, quote unquote subjects, are perfectly fine in this system. So if nature walks are something that's really important to your family, then that's great. Then put down nature walks. And if you have to translate that, then for a school system, this would obviously be part of perhaps your PE, perhaps it would be part of your science. You know, there are ways to rethink these sort of non-conventional topics. And finally, don't forget that you can combine subjects when you're homeschooling really well and really easily. And my high school did this. Our English and history freshman year were together. So we were reading literature related to history. We were writing about that literature and about history, right? And you can do the same thing in your homeschool. So it's okay to overlap keyboarding with editing their latest creative writing because they're going to now type it up. So don't hesitate to get creative. We can absolutely think outside the box of the types of subjects that we choose, how we choose to teach them, and the subtopics that we want to explore. Because one of the beauties of homeschooling is that freedom to really follow our passions, follow what our children love, and follow what they most need. And when we do that, when we follow that freedom, to do what we want, we are also providing excellence because suddenly when we're able to focus on those things that are very valuable and meaningful to us, then suddenly we give more effort to them. We're not just going through the motions anymore. These mean something to us and they're important to us on some level. And so we are actually, by trimming it down, we're honoring the freedom that we sought when we started homeschooling 
and we're giving ourselves the opportunity and the space and the margin to do them excellently. So with that, I am wishing you all the simple things and I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. If you are looking for resources to add more simplicity, focus, and value to your days and to your homeschool, I hope that you'll go to ZaraPhD.com where you will find not only all of the podcasts and all of the videos and all of the blogs that I've created for you, but you will also find free printables that you can download now to start making progress today. Those are at ZaraPhD.com forward slash get started. I'll see you there.